Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Here on this podcast, we discuss various topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. And I am the host of this podcast, and my name is Shakira. So welcome back for a brand new episode. If you just happen to stumble across this podcast, you have never heard my voice before, and you had never heard of the Carefree and Black Diaries, go ahead and subscribe. I promise there is something here for everybody, and nothing happens by chance. Everything has a purpose. I do believe that. So go ahead and subscribe so you'll be notified every single time we have a brand new episode, and that happens to be every Tuesday at 9 a.m., sometimes Thursdays at 9 a.m. If we need to, you know, delve a little deeper or if we're feeling a little spicy, add some more spice to your life we might do two episodes in one week so that's that now if this is not your first time hearing my voice thank you for tuning back in for another week of the podcast I really appreciate you all and I also want to send a reminder if you have not already rated the podcast please go ahead and leave us five stars and a good rating so that when other people you know stumble across the podcast and they want to learn more about it they will be able to see your reviews and say okay I'll give that a try so thank you I appreciate it and you all know how this goes we're going to have our carefree updates and then we're going to hop into our topic of the day which is another segment of blacktober because in blacktober we're talking about black issues all right Now, this first carefree update is talking about someone, you know what, before I even get there, because she's not even deserving of the being the first topic in this carefree update, she definitely needs to be last. So first things first, Representative Elijah Cummings passed away at the age of 68. It was heartbreaking for, you know, anyone to hear that, especially the black community. And I know my mom, um, the morning, the following morning, my mom was like, um oh my gosh like I heard her you know before I heard the news so you never really know what to say in instances like this especially when we lose people anyone and especially prominent figures in our you know history and culture so my condolences to his family his wife and anyone that is survived by him One thing I will say is that I always feel better about, not that I feel better, but, you know, it feels a little bit better when you know that people fought for what they believed in while they were here. When you know that people did the work for the causes and the people that they cared about the most while they were here, it really means a lot. And it's honestly been one of those things that I've been thinking about a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, You know, what is my legacy going to be when I leave here? I want to have something that I left behind that impacts somebody's life, you know, five years after I'm gone, 10 years after I'm gone. You know, like there are people that, you know, Maya, Martin, Malcolm X, not saying I'm, you know, them. But it's just when you think about the legacy that they left behind, it just means so much. So I encourage you all to do the same think about I'm not saying like be morbid and think about dying but I want you all to be thinking about what you're going to leave behind it does not have to be a global thing I think as long as you touch one life that life matters because that life could touch 50 lives 
those 50 lives could touch a thousand lives and it can just keep going like a domino effect but you would be the causing factor of all of that happening all of that change so think about your legacy and think about what you're going to be leaving behind and my condolences again to the family of representative elijah cummings next in our carefree updates zoe kravitz has been cast as catwoman now, I think the only Catwoman we pretty much acknowledge is Halle Berry because she bodied that role. Like, by, like I don't think y'all hear the beat, like, b- bodied that role as Catwoman. She did such an amazing job. And there are some times when they make, you know, remakes of movies, especially movies like this, and then you have that one actor and that one actress that just, like, takes the role to another level and you just feel like no one can even touch what they did with that character and I felt like that about Halle Berry as Catwoman for a long time like Halle did her thing with Catwoman but I do have hopes that Zoe Kravitz will also add her spin to the Catwoman role and franchise she has that I don't even know the word that genesee qual like that that certain quality that certain air or sex appeal that the catwoman role requires you know who else did a great job eartha kid and people don't acknowledge her enough but i think that's because she was from a different time um but eartha kid also did a great job with that role um but i i feel like zoe kravis could be like our generations you know Catwoman, that new level. Um, so congrats to her, and I'm excited to see what comes of it. I am very excited. Now, um, <clears throat> back to that person that I mentioned earlier that I said didn't even deserve to be first in the carefree updates, Miss Gina Rodriguez. Ma'am, come here real quick. So, Gina, many of you may know her from what is that show that she's on? It comes on, I know it comes on ABC Family. Wait, Freeform. Does it come on Freeform? I don't know. I don't watch the show. My mom loved it. I think it's Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin. She was the star of Jane the Virgin. Now, I may be wrong, but I think Jane the Virgin is off the air now or is going off. It's in the last season, something like that. I don't watch the show again. I do not know. She has also been in a Netflix movie with Lakeith Stanfield and um gosh her name is escaping me but she was the star and she's got to have it on Netflix cannot think of her name it starts with a d but she you know she was in that movie with them and I did watch the movie it was cute it was a cute movie don't get me wrong um but see this is the thing about Miss Gina Rodriguez I had beef with Gina when I started noticing little things about her character. And, you know, I I try not to judge people, especially, you know, it's human nature to kind of judge people. But I try not to judge people. The Bible says don't judge. So I I try not to. Um, But there were certain things that I kept noticing as habits in her character that I did not like. Um, one of them was when she was doing a press tour for Smallfoot. I think the name of the movie was Smallfoot, um, LeBron's movie, where it was like Zoe. What? Oh my gosh! Not Zoe. 
Yara. I'm calling her by her character name. Yara Shahidi. I'm calling her Zoe from Grownish. Yara Shahidi, but in, and other people in the movie as well. But there was an interview that Yara and Gina did with a black male interviewer. And he was speaking to Yara. Now, I'm sure most of you are familiar with how these press tours go. Like, sometimes the interviewers will direct questions at this person. Sometimes they may direct questions at this person. And then sometimes the questions are just, like, general questions for anyone to answer. So he was directly speaking to Yara. And he says something along the lines of, um, how does it feel to be such a positive influence for little black girls? Or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. She interrupts him in the middle of his question and she's like for little girls not just little black girls for little girls and he was like you know he <laughs> he handled it a lot better than I would have I'm not gonna lie he handled it a lot better than I would have um so he was like yeah but I, I meant little black girls and I'm glad he stood his ground um and it's things like that that I was noticing about her there was also a time that she hosted a Latina in Hollywood or something like that, or Latinx in Hollywood, but it was like a female brunch for Latina women, you know, that are within the industry. And I was looking at the pictures from the event, and I noticed that she didn't have any Afro-Latinas there, or I won't say that, she didn't have any afro-latinas there that were visibly afro-latina you know what i'm saying so you know it was kind of odd and some people were saying things about that like hmm where's this person where's this person they're afro-latina why weren't they at the brunch and they may have been invited who knows but you know that's another thing i noticed and then another thing that kind of like really tore her draws with me was when black panther came out and she went on this (laughs) twitter spree about how where are the latin um where are the latin superhero movies and it just blew my mind because she hadn't said anything until black panther came out like you let superman come out you let batman come out you let all of the spider-man movies come out you let the hulk come out you let I don't I don't know the other ones but you let all of these superhero movies come out and then when we get a movie finally where it is a mostly predominantly black cast it does extremely well at the box office the director is black the costume designer is black the set designer is black and now you want to speak out and say where are the Latin movies you know it's just and people a lot of people had things to say about that because it was just kind of like dang girl like can we have our time like can we just enjoy this moment and she she is one of those people so ever since those events happened and other things and then she likes to pull the oh i'm afro latina card whenever she's put in hot water or people call her on her bs then she's oh i'm afro latina my dad is dark-skinned she did an interview and was like my dad is dark-skinned well honey you're a celebrity and people went and found pictures of your dad and your dad is not dark-skinned i am dark-skinned your dad not so much so you know it's just she does things that i don't like so recently this past week she was 
in it looked like she was in hair and makeup for a project that she may be doing she's listening to a song and the song happens to be um a fuji song and it's the part of the song where lauren is like in words give me heebie-jeebies <laughs> oh gina 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 um see this is the thing I find it odd that you let the entire song go by and you stopped on that particular part of the song where it says N words give me heebie jeebies. And you thought that it would be cool to post that on your Instagram story. Like literally the entire song, you didn't post any of that, but you posted that part. I'm confused like make it make sense and then after people started calling her on it she gets on and does this like apology I'm sorry if I offended you if you felt offended I'm sorry here is a note a Shakira tip on apologizing people don't like when you try to put the blame on them if you offended somebody you don't say oh I'm sorry if I offended you because you're diminishing their feelings in that moment and I felt like she was diminishing the feelings of black people in that moment. And then it released this entire debate about whether or not Hispanic people or Afro-Latina people can say the N-word. And I just, I, like, I, I don't know, y'all. Like, I literally don't have the words for any of this because it's just such a tired conversation that I am sick and tired, like sick and tired of talking about and sick and tired of seeing. And I just feel like it is so simple. If you're not black, don't say it. If you're not black, don't say it. If someone of another race couldn't come up to you right now and use that word to you as a slur and you not be offended or and you be offended, then don't use it. Like, the whole point of us using the N-word, and granted, I understand some people don't like the word. I get it. I completely understand. Um, But it was like reclaiming and redefining what that meant as opposed to being called the N-word with the hard E-R on the end back in the day. And that's not something that we asked for. Like, that was a racial slur that was developed for us to make us feel smaller than, to make us feel less than. And now you want to use the cool version of it because you, well, (laughs) this is the thing. When people say, we'll stop putting it in songs. Well, how about y'all stop using it? We weren't the ones that coined the term in the first place. What are you talking about? And I'm I'm not even about to have um, that debate right now. Maybe we will have another day on the podcast where I get a few friends and we just kind of duke it out and discuss whether or not, you know, how we feel about the N-word and reclaiming it. Is that really a thing? Are we really reclaiming it if... We're going to be offended when someone uses it, especially in a song like a non-black person. So we're going to talk about that. I just had that idea. I need to write it down before I forget because I will forget. And if I forget, you all just remind me. We'll do that before the end of the year is out. So let's have our little break. That's it for the carefree updates. We're going to have a little break and then we're going to hop into our topic of the day. All right, so as you all know, we are right smack dab in the middle of Blacktober. Blacktober is just dedicated to the entire month of October, of course, where we discuss black issues facing the black community. So um, one thing I want to bring to you all's attention is that 
I believe this week, either this week or next week, we will be doubling up on episodes. So having an episode on Tuesday and also an episode on Thursday because I realized that Blacktober, there was so much that I wanted to discuss within this month. Um, the first episode was about misogynoir, where we talk about where gender and race intersect with black women in the lives of black women. Last week, we talked about institutional racism, and we had a part two to institutional racism that discusses all of the different institutions, not all of them, most of the different institutions that work together to hinder the progression of black people and also um, just promote white privilege and keep the power structure how it is. And we also gave a few ways that we can kind of like you know work out of it but I hope that you all have been doing the homework for yourself and getting more information on that so we talked about like um education we talked about like real estate and housing discrimination we talked about I want to say we talked about did we talk about health care I don't think we touched on health care but that is definitely another institution we talked about the wealth gap um but if you have not listened to those you can go back and listen to part one and two of that that was blacktober what is institutional racism or systemic racism as well so i realized i was like looking at i had written down a topic list um last month september when i got the idea and i was looking at the topic list and i was like girl october is almost over you need to hurry up so that is why i was like all right so i might have to double up on you know this while it's still october because november is going to be rolling into more things that i want to talk about so this week we're going to be talking about internalized racism so last week again i talked about institutional racism and that was kind of the idea that there are certain systems in place that aid in keeping I hate to kind of say it but keeping the wheel turning for black people to kind of stay in the same place so I thought this week that we should talk about something that is facing us that we can do something about so right we talked about institutional racism or systemic racism and how these systems oftentimes is nothing we can really do about it you know we can try our best to you know seek real estate agents that have our best you know interests in mind we can try to live in neighborhoods where the property tax is higher so we can send our kids send our kids to better schools um but this one in particular is just about internalized racism it's just about what we can do within our own communities and not really having to depend on anyone else uh to do anything about it because it's something that affects us as a people and not just us as a people not just black people but you know we're talking about black people on here but it affects all groups all minority groups internalized racism faces so i am going to read you a bit of an article that is going to give you a little background about what it is and then we're going to go from there Okay, so online on ThoughtCo, that is ThoughtCo.com, you can search on their website and type type in what is internalized racism. And this is the article that I am pulling some of this information from. So first and foremost, it starts, what does internalized racism mean? One might describe it as a fancy term for an issue that's pretty easy to grasp. 
in a society where racial prejudice thrives in politics, communities, institutions, and popular culture, it's difficult for racial minorities to avoid absorbing the racist messages that constantly bombard them. Thus, people of color sometimes adopt a white supremacist mindset that results in self-hatred and hatred of their respective racial group. Remember that. Read that again. People of color sometimes adopt a white supremacist mindset that results in self-hatred and hatred of their respective racial group. Minorities suffering from internalized racism, for example, may loathe the physical characteristics that make them racially distinct, such as skin color, hair texture, or eye shape. Others may stereotype those from their racial group and refuse to associate with them, and some may outright identify as white. Overall, minorities suffering from internalized racism buy into the notion that whites are superior to people of color. Think of it as Stockholm Syndrome in the racial sphere. Causes. While some minorities grew up in diverse communities where racial differences were appreciated, others felt rejected due to their skin color. Being bullied because of ethnic background and encountering harmful messages about race in greater society may be all it takes to get a person of color to begin loathing themselves or hating themselves. For some minorities, the impetus to turn racism inward occurs when they see whites receiving privileges denied to people of color. I don't want to live in the back. Why do we always have to live in the back? Now, some of you all may, if your grandma made you watch this on Saturday mornings, you may have heard that quote from the movie Imitation of Life. She was a fair-skinned black character, um, and that was a line from that movie. And her name was Sarah Jane. So Sarah Jane ultimately decides to abandon her black mother and pass for white because she wants to have a chance in life. And she explains further on in the movie, I don't want to have to come through back doors or feel lower than other people. So let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Because this is something that I feel like we don't talk about enough within our community. And that is internalized racism. Maybe we don't think we have a name for it, but boom, there you go. There's a name, internalized racism. Um, Internalized racism shows up in many different ways, but we are going to talk about three of them. The first way that internalized racism may show up within black people and within the black community is beauty standards. So we talked about, um, you know, how ultimately This comes about from white privilege, from seeing things that you don't necessarily relate to and it makes you hate certain things about yourself or that makes you unique within, you know, your group of people. So this is an excerpt from that same article under the section beauty standards. To live up to Western beauty standards, ethnic minorities suffering from internalized racism may attempt to alter their appearance to look more white. (laughs) yeah let's talk about it all right so on wiki they have another section called self-image and beauty standards and it says an empirical example of internalized racism is kenneth and mammy clark's doll experiment i'm sure many of you have heard about this before and if not i really wish that you had some better teachers in your life um and that's no shade but it's no shade okay so this is an experiment which was done here in america in 1939 and 1940 at a time when black and white children were segregated 
in this experiment, it involved African-American child being presented with two dolls that were identical apart from their skin and their hair color. So one doll was white with yellow hair and the other was brown with black hair. The child was asked which doll they would prefer to play with and why. And all of the children in this study experienced a clear preference for the white doll. In 20, not 2016, 2006, yeah, in 2006, Kerry Davis, she recreated the experiment with 21 African-American preschool children for a documentary that she did, and it's titled A Girl Like Me, so you can watch that if you have not seen it. And she found that 15 of those children chose the white dolls over the black dolls and giving similar reasons as the original study and they said that the white doll was more pretty or the white doll was good and the black one was ugly and the black one was bad. So there's also an industry behind, and we know this too, an industry behind whitening products, skin whitening products, which can be found from India to China to the United States to the Caribbean um, because lighter skin is associated as being more desirable. Um, so people will purchase these products to lighten their skin and because they think that that's going to make them more beautiful. Um, one recent example, one very recent example, actually about two or three days ago, uh, I was, okay, let me, phew, child, I am from Florida, and Florida is an odd state, okay? We will own that. Now, when we have people come out of Florida and become successful, we try to support those people just as anyone else would within their state. But let me just say that sometimes people in Florida make it very, very hard for me to support them. I'm not going to lie. You make it very, very hard for me to support you when you say ignorant stuff. Why do you just keep saying ignorant stuff? And I'm talking about the city girls, not JT, not JT. She's out now, by the way, if you didn't know. Um, But Young Miami, her group member who was holding it down while JT was locked away. Um, So, girl, Young Miami was pregnant and she gave birth to a little girl. And I think she named her Summer Miami, Miami Summer or something like that. And she posts on her Instagram story and she's like, my baby's so pretty. Um, I must have some Asian or Chinese in me. First of all, Asian and Chinese. Chinese, okay, Asia is a continent. China is in the continent or on the continent, however you want to put it, of Asia. That's like saying, oh, I must have some Nigerian or African in me. Nigeria is in Africa. Or that's like saying, oh, I must have some Texas or American in me. Texas is in America. And I can't it's I can't even be mad because some people just say things and you just know that they don't know any better. Like you just know that they don't know any better. You just shake your head. But at what point are we gonna start holding people accountable? Like that's all I wanna know. So anyway, she says that and while I she's it happened while I was preparing for this podcast episode and when it happened I was like that's internalized racism. The thought that you think your daughter, I don't know if she is referring to like her skin tone, her complexion, or her eyes. I'm thinking it's her eyes for her to say Chinese or Asian. 
I'm thinking it's that um, for her to say that. But for you to think that you you think that that's beautiful and black people can't have that, which is why you are associating it with another race or ethnic group of people. That's internalized racism. The same thing goes for um, hair textures. I remember when I was in school, especially around middle school, I think that's when girls start becoming more aware of, like, you know, their looks and, you know, stuff like that. So my, okay, my grandmother, my dad's mother, had hair that was like a looser texture. And it was like thinner, you know, it wasn't as thick as typical, you know, African-American hair textures. And it wasn't like coarse. So I kind of got that from my grandma. Now, granted, you get up in the middle of this head, it's another story, but around the edges, right? Uh, And sometimes on a good day, the inner area, but mostly the inner area just does its own little thing. So I kind of got the my hair texture from my grandmother now instead when my grandmother was younger instead of people just not making a big deal out of it people would say oh you must be indian you must have some indian in you first of all black people we have to get out of the idea that we are one thing like we are not constrained to a certain skin tone, a certain hair texture, a certain eye shape, a certain build and body shape. And when I was in middle school, kids would always say, you must be have some Indian in you. You must be have some Indian in you. And it used to blow my mind because I'm like, no, I'm just black. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just black. But your hair. Yeah, but I'm just black. <laughs> like, you can look at my skin tone and tell I'm just black. So, that is another idea of internalized racism, the idea that to have a certain hair texture, which we may see as more desirable, you can't be all the way black. You're not black, black. you kind of like diet black. And internalized racism, y'all, that's what it is. Internalized racism in beauty standards also shows up when you have black men who down black women for wearing weaves and extensions when we are not the only people to do that and i gave that specific example because i was on twitter as usual um the other night and i saw a clip of i think it was kind of like um you know those like youtube game shows where like it's like a host and they just start asking questions with a group of people so there's like a host sitting in the middle i cannot tell you what her ethnicity was because i don't know she was like racially ambiguous and then you have like a black man to one side of her, a black woman to the other side, a white guy to the other side of the black woman. And then like, a, I think it was a white girl on the other side of the black man. So he proceeds in this clip to like talk about her, talk about the black woman wearing weave. Like and was talking about her weave and her eyelashes when the host who is racially ambiguous sitting right next to him in between the two clearly has extensions as well. And that's not an isolated event. That happens way too often where black men will down black women um, and say, well, why do you have other people's hair in your head? Why you can't wear your hair? Look at you wearing weave as if we are the only group of people who wear weave. <laughs> like white people, 
in other ethnic groups wear a weave as well so black men get out of that idea that mindset that black women are the only ones that wear a weave in extensions that's not the case <laughs> that is not the case at all that though is internalized racism they feel like black women aren't able to have longer hair and the same thing happens when black women will like have a, a certain length that some black people think isn't achievable which blows my mind as well it's not achievable in black hair and then you see someone who has that like length and they're like oh my gosh is that your hair blah 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 black black people let's just do better it just breaks my heart every time I see and hear things like this because it really is internalized racism and they have taught us to hate ourselves and they have taught us to think that we can't be the standard of beauty they have taught us to think that we aren't as desirable or we have to have certain traits physical traits to make us prettier we have to have a lighter skin tone we have to have looser texture hair it needs to be 4b 4c not 4b 4c 3b 3c 4a i'm not good at hair textures okay i don't even know my own um you know you need to have hair textures like that or you need to have like a length that's long enough, you know, touching the middle of your back or at least past your shoulders and then you'll be pretty. Or you need to have almond eyes or slanted eyes because then you're seen as more exotic looking. Like we have to get out of that. We are beautiful regardless of Western standards of beauty. But that is how internalized racism shows up within beauty standards. Now, before I hop off of that, I also want to mention, to give another modern-day example of that internalized racism is, and they also refer to it as internalized oppression, but another way that shows up in a modern time, there is a Florida rapper. I'm starting to see a habit in the Florida here, but there is a Florida rapper. He's he's a young kid. Like he, I think he may be 18 which to me is still young, young enough to not know any better sometimes. So he mentioned in an interview that he did, they asked him about like his type or something like that. And he was, he said in the interview that he did not want to have a kid or a child with a darker skinned black woman because he said he don't, he said, I don't want no black baby or something like that. Now, something you should know, if I have not mentioned his name, his name is Glock9, um, G-L-O-K-K-N-I-N-E. So if you want to Google him and see how he looks, you can see that. But you will see that he is of a darker complexion. So when he said that, instead of feeling upset or angry that he said that, I honestly felt sorry for him because to be able to say, I don't want no black baby. And then I think the interviewer continued to ask him like about his own complexion. And he said that he has his dad's complexion. And I just feel like there are so many things that may be lying underneath that. I don't know his relationship with his father. I don't know if he has a bad relationship with his father. And that has caused him to hate his skin tone because he associates his skin tone with his father. I don't know if people found him unattractive because of his skin tone when he was younger and then he just built up a self-hate because of that I don't know if 
he just genuinely feels like brighter skin is more attractive and more beautiful. I don't know what it is, but I just felt sad for him. And honestly, I feel sad for a lot of rappers and athletes and artists and people within those fields who give interviews like that and say they don't want darker skinned women because they don't want black children or dark skinned children. Um, I feel bad for them because there was a time where I would get extremely angry because I have a darker complexion and I would internalize that, you know, like we're going to say that conversation for another day, but I would internalize that and get angry and sad because they said that. But now as I've gotten older and I've come to understand the many facets that this like really encompasses, I realized that they some of them just don't know any better and then a lot of times it's just self-hate it's not directed towards you or dark-skinned women period it's something that they within themselves hates they look in the mirror they hate their complexion they hate their skin tone and in turn they direct that energy outwards and project it onto darker-skinned black women because they hate their skin tone So that's something that I've learned to deal with. Um, I know it's hard, especially if you have a darker complexion. It seems like a lot of times people admire our complexion or love our complexion online and not so much in person. And that's something that we also have to deal with, you know, internally. Um, But again, that's another conversation that we'll have for another day when we talk about colorism like really getting in depth because I do want to have a conversation about colorism here on the podcast but when I do it I do have a guest in mind who is so knowledgeable I admire him he was one of my professors at FAMU so I want to get him here on the podcast to talk about that before I you know touch on it because he knows like he knows so yeah I wanted to talk about that before I hopped into the next way that um internalized racism shows up And so first we started with beauty standards. Next, it shows up in what we call stereotype threat or believing negative racial stereotypes. So you may or may not have heard of stereotype threat. So we're going to just give you a little refresher or a crash course on it in case you have not heard about it. So stereotype threat is a phenomenon study in psychology has been studied and it occurs when members of a stigmatized group risk conforming to negative stereotypes through internalization of their validity. So in a study in 2018, um, Taylor, Garcia, Shelton, and Yantis note that both stereotype threat and a black sheep effect are products of internalized racism. Through being reminded of negative stereotypes associated with their race, participants responded with increased uncertainty, lower performance on tasks, and emotional reactions of anger and shame. They also sought to distance themselves from in-group, stereotype-conforming members, so as to avoid being targeted with negative generalizations. It goes on to say that stereotype threat from internalized racism goes beyond the individual. Those who experience internalized racism may end up projecting internalized negative attitudes onto others in their racial group. 
Now, an example of this would be teachers of color in the U.S. who risk seeing their students through the lens of internalized racism. So because a teacher's expectations of a student's success can have empirical impact on their educational outcomes, this puts students of color at increased risk for impaired educational development. In other words, black teachers, because we're talking about black people, again, this shows up in other ethnicities as well. Black teachers who are who have internalized racism may okay let me set it up for you you're a black teacher in a black not a black school you're in a you're a black teacher in a multi-ethnic school you have white students you have black students you have Indian students you have Asian students you have Hispanic and Latino students if you as a teacher have internalized racism you may see the black kids in your school as being troublemakers before you have even gotten to know them you may see them as performing less you know not as well as other students in the class because of internalized racism and this shows up you're projecting that onto those students because you have grown to think or believe that black students don't perform as well as other students and that is something that has just been produced through culture in movies we see movie after movie about inner city schools and inner city youth and it's mostly black where you have this teacher who has to swoop in and save the day and we've watched it we've grown on grown up with it so then that's something that we have to dispel within ourselves and within our community this idea that black students aren't as smart or they don't perform as well or they're just troublemakers who come and mess up the whole class's energy so stereotype threat is that it's trying to disassociate yourself with the stereotypes that society has placed on your group your ethnic group so one thing that we may see in stereotype threat is black men are aggressive or black women are loud and angry you may also hear Um, black men are thugs or black people are thugs black people live in the hood if there is a shooting or something that occurs the idea that um, the idea that when something happens in black neighborhoods is somehow the fault of the residents of that neighborhood is something that they did and they deserved it all of that goes along with stereotype threat and one thing I want you all to remember is that when you deal with people who have internalized racism and are dealing with the specific branch of stereotype threat they are going to try extra hard to not be what society thinks black people are so that it may show up as the black the other black woman in your office or at your job who doesn't want to talk to you because she feels like you are going to give other people in the office a bad idea about who she is or she is trying to create an image for herself that is not the stereotype of what black women are and in order for her to do that she feels like she can't talk to you because you can't be the two black women in the office and then it makes other people in the office feel threatened that's how stereotype threat shows up it is me when I am, you know, at my school or PWI and I try to talk to another black person 
at the school and they feel like they can't talk to me because too many black people together is like whoa you know so that is how stereotype threat shows up and I also want to emphasize that we don't even realize it sometimes personal example uh I like to watch the news (laughs) I'm like an old soul at heart old soul at heart and you know oftentimes when I watch the news I watch it with my father and it it can go really well or it can not go really well I'll just say that and sometimes when things are on the news and you know a mug shot is thrown up and it happens to be a black man sometimes my father will be like well what did he do and then I have to step in and say what do you mean what he did you don't even have the whole story they could be lying or if something happens and it's a shooting or it's a robbery him automatically assuming that the suspect or something is black and I'm like they haven't even shown us a picture how do you know he's black so that is all stereotype threat it all falls under there and that is believing negative racial stereotypes about your group we have to get out of that y'all we have to get out of that now the last part that I want to give you all of how um internalized racism shows up we talked about beauty standards we talked about stereotype threat and now we're going to talk about intra or interracial discrimination so internalized racism manifests itself in both intra-racial and interracial discrimination as an example of the intra-racial case karen pike uses the term defensive othering to describe an individual or collective art of distancing oneself from members within one's own race that have a closer proximity to negative stereotypes. Defensive othering includes the use of derogatory term, um, what you all may have heard fresh off the boat among Asian Americans, although the racism towards newly arrived immigrants of Asian origin is neither the fault of the immigrants themselves or other Asian Americans. Immigrants are often socially ostracized by members of their shared race because of internalized racism. In terms of interracial discrimination among the non-dominant racial groups, Robert E. Washington discusses brown racism, his term for prejudice among non-black people of color towards black people worldwide. With examples from Egypt, China, India, and other regions, Washington notes that through internalized racism, I want y'all to hear this. Non-black people of color, non-black people of color are reproducing white desirability and a devaluation of blackness. Internalized racism goes beyond negative attitudes and beliefs about one's own group. One can internalize racism directed towards other races as well. Basically what that's saying is black people can't win for losing i'm kidding no i'm not um what that's saying is other racial minorities will look down on blackness or black people because of the white standard of what they deem as being acceptable it is the reason that you have asians it is the reason that you have um europeans it is the reason that you have even africans sometimes sadly 
um, South Americans that will look down on black people because of the idea they have of black being less desirable, less attractive, not as smart, um, and just bad, like overall. So all of that falls under interracial and interracial discrimination. It's discrimination of another ethnic group because you have an idea of what is right but that what is right is based off of white desirability but you're not white (laughs) like you're still a minority but it's still that looking down on black people so if you imagine it like a totem pole you have like white desirability at the top i don't know what the categories will fall underneath in what order but at the bottom you will have black people and that's just what it is and it's and sadly when I think about that one, I think about it two ways because I think about the general idea. I think about it three ways. I think about the general idea that other races look down on black people. I also think about how black people will sometimes think negatively of African people. And then I think about how sometimes African people will think negatively about black Americans. And I had a conversation with a girl that's in my program. She came to the school. She's from Nigeria. And we were in the lab one day at school. It was late at night. And it was her, um, three, two or three of my other friends, you know, me, we were in the lab. And she just said, like, can I ask you all a question? And we're like, yeah. So we start having this whole discussion about how Africans view, or let me not generalize like that, how she said Nigerians view black Americans and she said like when she before she came over here her friends were like you need to learn how to fight you need to learn how to fight and I asked her you know why did they say that and she said because the idea that they see about black women online not just online online on social media And on television, when you look at reality TV, you see, like, fighting over nothing. And they think that, you know, you can be in the middle of the street or in the store minding your own business. And a black woman will just come up and hit you out of nowhere because that's just how we behave. And I just, it was, it blew my mind and I thought it was so crazy. But I also get it at the same time because that is the messaging that they have. That is what they see. And you don't really know anything else until you've gotten out and been able to experience on on your own and we also talked about police brutality and how they felt like whenever there would be a shooting of an unarmed black man that it was somehow the black man's fault and I asked her why and she said on their news stations they don't cover both sides of the story it's just like this black man was killed this is what he did this is what happened now he's dead in the story and they think that it's the black person's fault because they don't have any more information and she didn't know about you know black lives matter she didn't know about any of these things and we just had to like give her the whole spiel you know on Trayvon Martin on Freddie Gray on everybody just to like you know give her more information because it's just crazy because a lot of things are really caused through misinformation seriously seriously if we were able to do a better job of communicating um amongst ethnic groups 
and dispelling stereotypes and dispelling myths and stories, fallacies, we will be doing so much better as a people. But one thing, so those are the three ways we talk about beauty standards. We talked about stereotype threat or believing negative stereotypes about your group. And then we also talked about intra or interracial discrimination. Now, I want to end this off with the implications. So what are the results of this? What is happening because of this? Here it is. So according to health High scores on internalized racism have been repeatedly correlated with a variety of poor psychological and physical health outcomes among sample populations, including African-Americans, U.S.-born Caribbean Blacks, foreign-born Caribbean Blacks, Filipino-Americans, non-American Pacific Islanders, and multiracial samples of Americans. A study conducted by researchers... Their names are Muzan and McLean. They both found that there is a positive correlation between internalized racism in black individuals and the state of their mental health, specifically depression and psychological distress. The results showed that African Americans and U.S.-born Caribbean blacks embodied more internal racism and thus experienced poorer health, mental health than foreign-born Caribbean blacks. A similar study by researchers Graham and West discovered that anxiety is also a correlation to internalized racism in black individuals. This conclusion is significant considering that anxiety disorders have been found to be more persistent in black American populations as compared to other racial groups. The same study goes on to describe the methods therapists can take to mitigate the anxiety in black individuals caused by internalized racism, such as rationalizing negative thoughts. So our mental health is being affected by internalized racism, and many times we don't even know it. So I'm sharing this information with you all. So hopefully, hopefully you can start identifying certain things within yourself and also within people around you not taking anything personal, and also calling people out if they have internalized racism. Now, granted, if they have internalized racism, they might not even realize it, and they might not, you know, they might be like, girl, you don't know what you're talking about, or boy, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm not racist. I can't be racist. I'm black. (laughs) That's another story, too, for another day. But, um, you know, calling people out or making them not just, let me not say that, not calling people out because that gives a combative feel. I will say making people more aware of something that they might not be aware of. So some people do not know that they have internalized racism or internalized oppression within themselves. They may not know that they are valuing white beauty standards as opposed to how we are naturally with our noses with our skin tone with our hair texture. They may not know that they are fighting tremendously hard to avoid being stereotyped as a black person and thus isolating themselves from other black people to avoid that stereotype as a group they may not know that they are dealing with that with stereotype threat they may not know about intra or interracial discrimination where they are discriminating against another minority because they are trying to identify with white privilege or white desirability they may not know those things so that's up for us to do our work and try to dispel all of that and make it a better world I do believe that it's possible 
We can do all things if we work together. And that's all I have for this week in internalized racism or internalized oppression, however you want to call it. But a spade is a spade. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Carefree and Black Diaries. You can also follow us on Twitter at Carefree, B-L-K-P-O-D. Stay black and carefree. And we'll see you next week in the next episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.